So we're in the eighth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, and last Sunday we looked at discipleship, and Jesus is challenging words that if we are uh, to be true Christians, uh, we have to uh, sacrifice things. That doesn't mean to say we save ourselves, but we've got to be serious about following him. And that point is going to be emphasised this morning in some uh, very uh, astounding words uttered by our Saviour. So let's read um, verse 35 of Mark 8. Verse 35. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man or a woman if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I don't think there's anything more serious than those words we can consider Uh, this day. And Jesus here is using uh, business terms, is he not? Uh, Lose, losses, gains, exchange, profit. Those are all terms that have to do uh, with making money and with uh, mathematics. And I've just got to try and communicate this morning as clearly and as powerfully as I can, by the help of the spirits, uh, that we have something uh, which is more um, valuable uh, than anything uh, in the world. So I've just got four things to say, and then we'll go to the Lord's table. My first point is this. What, what is this thing that is priceless? You, you know, if something is priceless, uh, it may be something... Uh, that's not of much value to other people. Um, I, I've got some, some books at home. Uh, they are uh, quite uh, uh, ragged by now because I've read them so often, uh, but they are priceless to me uh, because they are out of print. And those books meant a lot to me when I was growing up. And it doesn't matter how torn apart they'll become, they are something that you cannot put any monetary value on priceless. And we are gathered here this morning. We are not a company of the great and the good, are we? I'm not insulting anybody by saying that. We're just normal, ordinary people. But you've got something, I've got something that is priceless. The world may not think that because we're a small company in comparison to the crowds that are in the world. But we've got something priceless. Now, what is it? It's your soul, my soul. Um, Do you sometimes uh, Google net worth, what somebody's net worth is? It's frightening what some people apparently are worth. I can't remember the figures, but it's something in the millions of pounds. What's that in comparison to the net worth of the soul? You know, what is this soul? Um, I keep on preaching about the soul because it's so valuable. 
you're a body, I'm a body, but there's a spirit part to us. That's the soul. The soul is what makes us different from the animals. Now, I know animals can have personalities. I'm intrigued at the different kind of characteristics. In dogs, some dogs have a vicious personality. Some dogs have a very endearing personality. But they don't have a soul. You've never heard of dogs having a service of worship. I've never read of animals holding a prayer meeting. It's this spirit part of us, the soul that's created in the image of God. And you know what? This is why the soul is valuable. The soul is going to last forever. It's immortal. That's not true of the body. So whoever may be the most expensive person in the world at this moment, their bodies one day is going to die and be food for worms. But the soul goes on forever. Um, you've all heard of the seven wonders of the world. I, I, you know, I love uh, going to visit uh, famous monuments. But they're crumbling, aren't they? the wonders of the ancient world because they've been around for so long they're crumbling and one day they are going to be no more but your soul my soul is a greater wonder is it not because it's going to go on forever um jc ryle i quoted him last sunday he's uh, well he was a bishop his soul is still alive but his body is gone his graves in liverpool he was the bishop of liverpool in the 19th century there shall be a time he said when the pyramids of egypt and the Parthenon of Athens shall alike crumble to nothing, when Windsor Castle and Westminster Abbey shall be cast down and pass away, when the sun shall cease to shine and the moon no more give her lights, but the soul of the humblest person is made of far more enduring stuff. It shall survive the crash of an expiring universe and live to all eternity. When this universe is a black star, the soul is going to carry on forever. You and I have got something of eternal value. Have you realized that? You may be the most insignificant person in your own eyes, but you've got something in God's eyes that's of inestimable value. The soul. My second point, and this is what Jesus is getting at here. What profits a man if he loses his own soul? Have you ever thought about that? My soul can be lost. And not just lost for a brief period, but lost forever. That's why I read um, that parable uh, of uh, Jesus' Some think it wasn't a parable because he refers to one person by name, the poor man Lazarus. The poor man Lazarus died and his soul went to heaven. The rich man, we don't know his name, some call him Dives, he died and he went to hell. And Jesus said, there is a great gulf fixed between heaven and hell. Once you're in one or the other, there's no way of transferring. You know, you want to get a transfer sometimes, don't you? Uh, you can't get a transfer from hell to heaven. There's no purgatory in the Bible. And if you think, hang on, you'll say, Pastor, you said to the children that you've got good news to declare. 
this doesn't sound like good news to me. This is very bad news. Well, yes, it is bad news. But this is the bad news before the good news. In saying that the Bible is good news, it doesn't mean to say that there isn't bad news. What makes the good news so good is the bad news that comes before it. And the bad news is there is such a place as hell. And people's souls go there. And they are lost forever. Now, can I say this? If you do the mathematics, Jesus Christ, read the number of times Jesus mentions heaven, and then read the number of times he mentions hell. He mentions hell far more than heaven. You may not like hell, but that's a fact. Jesus preached more warning people about hell than he did about the glories of heaven. I can remember a good friend sharing with me uh, the need for my soul to be saved, that I was in danger. And you know what I said to him? I believe in hell. I believe in hell. But I'm not going there. And it's always the same people, isn't it, who go there? The Hitlers, uh, the Pol Pots, uh, the horrible people. But that's never me. We never think we are the ones condemned, do we? You know, I said to my friend, I'm not perfect. I will admit that. But I'm not a lost soul. I'm not a lost soul. But you know what? We're all lost when we're born into this world. Uh, uh, do, do you know what heaven is? Heaven is perfection. It is purity. And nothing unclean can enter heaven. So if you confess, we'll all confess here, won't we? That we've got our flaws. We're not perfect then we can't enter heaven. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If you and I, even if only we'd done one wrong thing in our lives, if we were to be allowed into heaven, we'd pollute the place and we wouldn't fit there. Nothing unclean can enter into it. Oh, this is Thomas Binney. This is one of the most powerful hymns ever written. Have you seen this about your soul? Oh, how shall I, whose native sphere is dark, whose mind is dim, even if I haven't committed outrageous sins, my mind has, whose mind is dim before the ineffable appear and on my naked spirit bear that uncreated beam. I would be destroyed by God's holiness. There's no hope. Oh, I used to be a geography teacher. I didn't last long, four years. Somebody else was a geography teacher a hundred or so years before me called William Carey. And he was going around the different countries of the globe where Christianity hadn't reached. And William Carey broke down. Do you know why? He realised there were souls, millions and millions of souls that were heading for a lost eternity. Uh, have you realized you're lost by nature teach me savior we're going to sing it later teach me the value of my soul the value of other so that's why we evangelize that's why this church is all about telling people you've got souls that need to be saved um I'm not into football, so I'm going to get my facts wrong here. 
But weren't we all horrified a few weeks ago when that player uh, that was bought by Cardiff City, Emiliano Sala, have I got his name right, Emiliano Sala, he, he was bought. Do you know how much he was bought for? Not much in football terms, but a huge amount for us. £15 million. That's how much Cardiff City spent for him. Oh, just for a person, this is how I think of it, just for a person to kick a ball, £15 million. And he was a young man, he was only in his late 20s, and he had the world at his feet. He had all the world. He'd gained the world. And then we know the story by now, don't we? Uh, He went back to France to say goodbye to a number of friends. And instead of catching a chartered flight home, he got a private jet and he never reached Cardiff. The plane crashed in the English Channel. And with all the world at his feet, he never got to enjoy it. His body died and his soul is in eternity now. I can't say where that soul is, but his soul is in eternity What does it profit? A man, a woman, a child, anybody. If you gain the whole world and lose, lose your soul. The good news. This is what I'm looking forward to. (laughs) Have you ever been in a meeting where you've only heard the bad news and there's no gospel? Oh, it infuriates me. You need the bad news, but it's the good news that the Bible is really, really all about. What what is the good news? Well, I'm telling you here the old, old story of Jesus and his love. The soul, the most valuable thing in the whole universe. How much does it cost to save a soul? You know, when you hear of how much... Uh, football clubs play for a leading player or what I'm going to mention now it's much much bigger than any amount of money that has been uh, transferred for a big player do, do you know how much your soul and mine costs to save that is the reminder a body had to be broken It had to be a perfect person. (laughs) An imperfect person couldn't save us from our imperfections. Do you know whose body was broken? It wasn't just a man's body, was it? Jesus Christ is a man, 100% man. But he's God, 100% divine. Isn't that amazing? The cost of saving a soul is not something the greatest billionaire in the world could pay for it's not something an angel even the archangel could pay for it's something god himself had to pay for and you know how god paid for it by becoming one of us isn't that amazing what wonder in the world is greater than the wonder of the eternal god Becoming a man. That, that, that's the greatest miracle that has ever happened. 
And do you know what he had to do to save our souls? His body had to be broken. His blood, that's what the wine points to, had to be shed. It was on that cross. It was by dying in our place. It was there that our sins were dealt with. He took your uncleanness and mine and he sucked it out of us. And because he's the infinite son of God, he could do it. And he broke the bonds of death. He conquered hell and the devil. Uh, and he's alive. He's alive to save your soul and mine. That's good news, isn't it? It doesn't look good. Jesus was born in obscurity. He grew up in Nazareth. And where was he crucified? He was crucified outside the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And it, it wasn't a green hill. It was the place of the skull. It, it wasn't a beautiful cross. It was a ragged cross. And he was hanging naked upon it. Imagine that. The king of kings naked in all the shame that that ensued and it wasn't the physical pain that was atrocious it was no other form of execution devised by man is as cruel as crucifixion but it was the spiritual agony of being abandoned by his father as he's made a sacrifice for your sin and mine that's how much Jesus loves us. That's how much God the Father loves us. That's how much it cost the triune God to save one soul. Um, I quoted the hymn, O teach me what it meaneth. That cross uplifted high, with one the man of sorrows, condemned to bleed and die. O teach me what it cost thee to make a sinner whole and teach me saviour teach me the value of a soul didn't we sing before the sermon never further than thy cross never higher than thy feet here earth's precious things seem dross dross I, I didn't hear about the Welsh victory in the rugby yesterday until somebody told me last night, I was oblivious to it. I'm sure everybody's going to be talking about it today, and rightly so. Wales didn't just beat Ireland and won the Grand Slam. They thrashed. Or can I say, we thrashed. <laughs> what a victory. I hope there are no Irish here this morning. <laughs> what a victory. You know, if you go to any church, if it's the true church of Jesus Christ, you cannot be oblivious to another victory, the victory of Jesus on the cross over sin, death, and hell. He thrashed the opposition, didn't he? He took all the curse. There's no more against you and me. What a victory. And no church should be quiet about that. And then one last point. This is the most important question, really. 
how can my soul be saved? How, how, how can you and I not go to a lost eternity, but know what it is to be saved? Or, you know, we need to catch again the wonder of being saved. I'm saved. It doesn't matter if things are not going well for me. It doesn't matter if I'm not as rich as some of those footballers. I'm saved. My soul, which was lost, is now saved forever. What a privilege. You know, I can understand some Christians dancing for joy. Uh, I was in a meeting once in India, and the Spirit came in such a way that the wonder of being saved just overwhelmed us. And I wasn't dancing. I was just clapping my hands in adoration. But Baskarau, who was with us, he was dancing. Oh, my friends, you can be saved this morning. Doesn't a church need people to be saved? Fresh experiences of grace. It's a shot in our arm, as it were. How can I be saved? Well, the paradox is this. If you try to save yourself, you're going to be lost. This is what Jesus said. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. If you want to be saved, you've got to lose your life. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? It doesn't mean that if we sacrifice for Jesus, that will make us accepted. What it means is this. Instead of trying to make ourselves good enough, we've got to give up and surrender our souls and our bodies to Jesus Christ. That's how you are saved. Give up. Give up DIY Christianity. Rest in what Jesus Christ has done. Um, I'm uh, reminded here of the words of a man. 2,000 years ago, he was in um, prison in Rome, and he was about to be executed under the Emperor Nero. And this man had given up a lifetime of privileges. He could have been a great scholar. He could have been a great leader. Uh, Paul was his name. And you know what? He gave all of that up. He didn't just give it up. He counted it rubbish, excrements, for saving his soul, or Jesus saving his soul. And if you'd have asked him, Paul, was it worth it? Here you are in a dank dungeon. Your life is about to be cut short. Is it worth it? Do you know what Paul said? Some of his last words. I am not ashamed. It means I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing. For I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him. Paul had committed his salvation to Jesus Christ. And he says, it's worth it. I haven't lost out. I'm going to receive a crown. And I'm going to be in glory forever and forever. Oh, have we committed our souls to Jesus? Can we say, it's all right. I know whom I have believed. And um, I can see you, Alberto, there from Ecuador. Uh, about hundreds. Hundreds, 1,800 years after Paul, a young man, not Paul, but Jim, Jim Elliot, stood. And were there four other missionaries? 
They were trying to tell uh, the Indians in Ecuador about this wonderful good news. They'd given up their comforts, but they were going to give up their lives as well because they were killed by those Indians. And some of the last words of Jim Elliot, you know these words, don't you? He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Paul, Jim, you, me, may we hand over our souls to Jesus Christ. Even if it means being ridiculed, we may not be killed, but we may be scoffed at, we, we may be cold-shouldered. Isn't it worth it? To know him, to know salvation, to know heaven. Um, I've got to come to a conclusion. Um, don't you love reading history? I love history because it's his story. It's God's history. And there was a great king in Europe. I can never pronounce his name because I'm Welsh and I pronounce words as I see them. And there are soft sounds in this name. So let's try Char Charlemagne. Charlemagne. He was a great king. He died about 800 AD. And a few centuries later, the Emperor Otto opened Charlemagne's tomb. And there was a skeleton. There was an open, he was in a sitting position. There was an open Bible on his knee. And his bony finger was pointing at one verse. This is Charlemagne, the Charles the Great, the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. And do you know what verse his bony finger was pointing at? What shall it profit a man if he gains his own, the whole world, and loses his own soul? Can you answer that question? Can you do the maths and say, I once was lost, but now, having given up saving myself, my soul is found by Jesus Christ for all eternity. May every one of us here do the maths and trust in Jesus Christ for his namesake. Amen.